Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Acts, chapter 14. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Paul and Barnabas... They're on their first missionary journey. You know if you've been with us, you know that. And, um, and so far, they've gone to Cyprus and Paphos and Perga in Pamphylia. And from Perga in Pamphylia, they went to Antioch of Pisidia. And when they went into the city of Antioch of Pisidia, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Remember we talked about as the disciples, Paul and Barnabas particularly, are traveling the city to city, the very first place they go is into the synagogues. Why? Because remember Romans tells us that the gospel was to go to the Jew first. And that's why they just obey the word and taking the gospel to the Jew first. So they would immediately then go into the synagogues, and it was in the synagogue in Antioch of Presidia that Paul the Apostle preached his first sermon, remember? Some folks call that a trial sermon. You know what a trial sermon is? Raise your hand, a trial sermon. I don't know why they call it a trial. Maybe because they don't like you. Maybe they'll stone you like Paul. I don't know. Paul preached his first sermon. You were with us, you know. It's powerful. It's amazing. It was awesome. So then as the gospel now goes to the Jew first, then the message moved to the Gentiles. And when the Gentiles heard the message of Paul and Barnabas, they asked them to stay and to preach. And on the next Sabbath, if you were with us, you know that the whole city came to church. And the Jews were filled with envy. But when the Gentiles heard it, the Bible says that they were glad and they glorified the Lord. And the Jews tried to persecute Paul and Barnabas and put them out of the city. And just like Jesus told them to do, when you go into a city and they don't receive you, you're to shake the dust off your feet and move on. And that's exactly what they did. They shook the dust off of their feet and they went to Iconium. And then in chapter 13, look at verse 52. In chapter 13, it tells us that they were filled with joy and with what, saints? The Holy Spirit. And then they went into Iconium. That's where we left off. And saints, that's where we pick up this morning in Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. If you're there, say a hearty amen. Amen. And it happened in Iconium that they went together to the synagogue of the Jews and so spoke that a great multitude of Jews, notice that a great multitude both of Jews and of Greeks believe, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brethren. Therefore, they stayed there a long time, speaking boldly in the Lord, who was witnessing to 
the, read that with me, would you? The word of his grace, who was bearing witness to the word of his grace, and they were granting signs, God was granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the multitude of the city was divided, part-sided with the Jews, and part, notice this, with the apostles. And when a violent attempt was made by both the Gentiles and the Jews with their rulers to abuse and to stone Paul and Barnabas, they became aware of it, and they ran like the Dickens. They fled to Lystra and Derby, cities of Lyconium, and to the surrounding region. And they were preaching the gospel there. Stop right there. Give me your attention, saints. So they left Antioch. They came to Iconium. Iconium, give me your attention, is about 50, five zero miles from Antioch. And the interesting thing to me is that they traveled from Antioch to Iconium, five zero fifty miles, and they were walking. I mean, they didn't travel by Hummer. They didn't travel by limo. They didn't travel by taxi. They were going city to city on foot. They come to Iconium, and again, they went into the synagogue first. And notice the Bible tells us their speech was so powerful that the Jews and the Gentiles believed. The Jews and the Gentiles believed. Now listen, quickly, I want to point this out to you. Their speech was so powerful that the Jews and the Gentiles believe, which tells us that the same message was preached to the Jews and to the Gentiles alike. They didn't change the message. Here's my point. They did not change the message because they were talking to Jews. And they did not change the message because they were talking to Gentiles. The message was the same. And because the message was the same and the word of God, watch this, is the power of God unto salvation, the word has the same effect in the individuals. Why do you say that, Rodney? Because my point is this. We don't need to change the message because we change the individual. People ask me often, Rodney, how do I minister to the Jews? How do I minister to my Muslim friends? How do I minister to Jehovah's Witnesses? How do I minister to Mormons? How do I minister to these people? How do I minister to that pe- those people? And I tell them the same way you minister to anybody else. You preach the word. You don't need to, listen, you don't need to, see, here's the thing. A lot of times we start to think and believe that we need to know all about the cults. We need to know all about Mormonism. I fell into this trap. (coughs) That I had to know everything about Mormonism. I had to study about Jehovah's Witnesses. I had to know about these things so that I could witness to them. When in fact, listen, you need to know the Bible better than you know any other thing. And the sad thing is that many, many Christians do not know their Bibles. And we want to learn so much about other stuff. Talking to my kids the other day, one of my children the other day, and I was explaining this very thing to him. You, You don't need to know all about the cults. You don't need to know all about the Jews, all about the Gentiles, all about the Mormons, all about Jehovah's Witnesses, Mormons. You don't need to know all about that. What you need to know is the Scriptures. 
Because when you know the scriptures, you'll preach the same message to all people and God's word will have his effect in the hearts of all people. Is it good to know a little bit about this and a little bit about that? Yeah. But my problem is that lots of Christians don't even know their Bible and yet they're trying to learn other things. And I have seen this. Now watch this. I have seen, as a matter of fact, I knew one brother. This was right back around 1983-ish. Now I'm dating myself. And he started, he wanted to know about the cults and about demonology because he wanted to know about, you know, Satan and spiritual warfare. And let me tell you something. He started studying that stuff so much that he found himself, I kid you not, in the very thing that he gave his heart to. Rodney said, ain't so. It's sad. So Paul and Barnabas... The message is the same. Saints, don't ever make the mistake to think that as you preach and as you share, that somehow it's your word or your knowledge or your understanding that's bringing people to salvation. It's not your knowledge. It's not your understanding. It's not your word. For the word of God is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Greeks, the Gentiles. We got to get that right. And then what happens is when you understand that God's word is the power of God, guess what happens? You just get free to just share what you do know. And the stuff you don't know, what about this? What about that? People always want to ask you stupid questions. Isn't that true? Can God make a rock so big he can't pick it up? Did Adam have a navel? Can we edit? You know what you say? I'm going to just tell y'all since y'all came to second service, all right? You say, I don't know, fool. Just, uh, just say something. Let's say, Lord, that's just dumb, man. I, that's stupid. You know what? That's so stupid, I'm going to slap you. <laughs> in Jesus' name. And you know you've been slapped when you've been slapped in Jesus' name, okay? Say amen, saints. You know that's right. I that. <laughs> I heard you and pray for your healing. You know, that's right. That's just dumb. I'm sorry. It's the medication. I mean, ain't no telling. I'm, same message. All people don't try to change it. When you don't know everything, you just tell somebody, I don't know. They'll ask you, well, what about this? What about that? I don't know. I'll do my best to find out. But if I don't, hey, listen, you want to know Christ and you want to be born again because you don't want to go to hell. Now, y'all want me to preach that message again? I called Johnny last Sunday morning. All right, it's 8 o'clock in the morning. You know, I'm in, like, in pain. And I said, well, let me just call and see how everything's going. Like, Johnny, how you doing, man? Are you ready for the day? Yeah, what you preaching about, man? Hell. I said, is that the best you can do? Oh, yeah, hell and how to not go there. I said, okay, well, I'll pray for you. And uh, if you need a place to escape, you know where I live, you know. That's the point. 
So they preached the same message to all people, to the Jews, and it had the same effect. And then notice in your Bibles, now look at it, let's get back to this. Look at this here in verse 3. It says, therefore they stayed there, I love verse 3, a long time. You see that? I like that. Paul says, listen, I'm not leaving. The Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against this new church. And Paul says, I'm staying, I'm not leaving. And they stayed a long time speaking boldly and bearing witness. Saints, I had you look at it closely to the word of his grace. Isn't that wonderful? I love that. The word of his grace, not the word of rules and regulations, not the word of do's and don'ts, but the word of his grace. You know, I've told you and I'll tell you quickly again. Grace is one of the most beautiful words in the Bible. And even this past couple of weeks that I've been not well, um, I've had opportunity to just kind of reflect on this word grace. And you know what, saints, I've come to realize? The longer I'm a Christian, the longer I walk with the Lord, the longer I get to know him, and the more I get to see myself, the more I grow in appreciation for this word grace. Can I get a witness? You know, you start realizing how little you are and how big God is. You start to understand that your flesh is filthy. There's no good thing, the Bible says, that dwells in our flesh. It is all filthy, everything about it. And yet God came to save our souls. And all of that, the Bible says, was done by his grace, Grace is the central message of Paul's preaching. It's the core. You trek through the Bible as we are on Sunday morning through the book of Acts, and you will see this word grace is the core. The message of grace is the core of all of Paul's teaching. Why? Because he understood grace. Why? Because he was persecuting the church when God interrupted his life. Acts chapter 9, go read it in your own time. He was on the road to Damascus to kill Christian folks. And God interrupted his life. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Who art thou, Lord? Saul, it's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he got saved in Acts chapter 9. What was he doing when he got saved? He was going to persecute the Christians. Paul was not a good guy. When he gave his life to Christ, he wasn't a good guy. When God interrupted his life, he didn't interrupt his life because he was a good guy. He interrupted his life and God saved him because that is grace. And that's why I titled this sermon, Grace, Grace, Grace. Because the longer I walk with God, the longer I get to know him, and the more I get to know Rodney, the more I realize it is grace, 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 grace. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's no good thing that we can do to please God. He loves you because he is God. Don't you see? I don't understand it. Don't ask me to theologically explain it. Give you a dissertation on how God loves us in the way that he does and how he does, why he does. I don't know. That would make some God. And it's all about grace. And if you study the Bible, you will see it is all about grace. You study the New Testament, you can see that grace drew us to salvation. Grace teaches us. Grace causes us to look for the coming of the Lord. 
Grace establishes our hearts, the Bible says. Grace called us and justified us and blessed us and sanctified us. And grace, the Bible says, will ultimately glorify us. And grace, that's why I love that song, will lead us home. Grace. It's all about grace. God's grace is limitless. You know the song Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound to save the rest like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, but blind and not see. You know a guy who wrote that song? His name is John Newton. And uh, you know that song? Raise your hand. Of course. Okay, good. <laughs> Only three-fourths of this room raise their hand. Somebody lying. If you know that song, raise your hand. Thank you. Everyone knows that song. That song, did you know? Get this. I was really interested to find out. Because I had weeks of reading and no life. And I was interested to find out that that song is sung in every language on the planet. Isn't that interesting? Of all the songs ever written, and there have been billions, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved the Wretch Like Me is sung in every language on the planet. Why? Because it carries with it the message of grace. That's why. Because it has the message of grace in it. And we all know the story, and we've heard the story of John Newton, who was a slave trader. And we've all actually come to believe, now listen to me closely, you'll find this interesting. We've all come to believe that John Newton, who was a slave trader, gave his life to Christ one day on the ship. And then he sat down to pen the song, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. That sounds nice, but that's not actually how it happened. Listen at this. John Newton was saved, check this out, May 10th. 1748. And the song was written somewhere between 1760 and 1773. When he became a Christian, he returned to Liverpool. He later sailed to Africa where he traveled village to village, buying human beings and returning them as cargo. He sailed across the Atlantic, literally studying his Bible in his quarters as 200 slaves lay in the hole shackled together, two by two, squeezed into shelves like secondhand books. A third of these slaves died during this long voyage across the ocean, and many suffered serious illness. When the ship arrived in Charleston, South Carolina, John Newton delivered these men and women and children into a life of oppression. And while he sat in churches and took leisurely strolls to the fields and woods outside of Charleston, for years, John Newton, get this, had no idea that slavery was evil and wrong. He captained his own ship and continued to sell human lives for several more years. In all, Newton spent 10 years trading slaves after he had become a Christian. It was many years later that Newton wrote, I once was blind, but now I see. Now, I know that when you become a Christian, your eyes are open spiritually. But let me just suggest to you, because the song was written many, many years after his eyes were open, I believe and many believe that John Newton was actually saying, I once was blind, but now I see to the fact that slave trading was wrong. And after he became a Christian, some many, many, many years later, the Holy Spirit began to convict his heart about this trade slave, uh, slave trading. And, and he was blind, but now he sees. Once lost, but now found. And so the question then is, how could a Christian, a born-again believer, do something like that? Why wouldn't he stop? 
Well, I think it's as simple as this. When you become a Christian, you really don't realize how messed up you really are. You know, somebody once said it like this. They said, part of our mess is knowing that we're a mess. And that's very true. When you first become a Christian, you don't realize you're a mess. I mean, most of us haven't abused kids. Most of us haven't killed anyone. Most of us haven't participated in a felony. Maybe not most of us, but don't say amen there. I don't But, 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 but oftentimes, we don't realize that, that it takes time for us to grow. And as you grow as a Christian, you start to realize your eyes are open to the fact that you're a mess. And even if you haven't done some things, we've done other things. You know, I was reading a report that said most people think that they are better than other people. Most people feel that they are better than the average person. Most people feel the report says that they are more ethical, more loyal, more faithful, more of a faithful friend, more of a devoted spouse than other people. The report said that most people think they obey the Ten Commandments more consistently than others. You know, I got to tell you, I think that's probably true. I mean, we see someone do something terrible and we say, well, I can never do that. Now, we wouldn't do that, but we might do something else. And so you look at somebody and go, oh, I would never do that. (laughs) I would never do that. And they look at you and go, I would never do that. I would never do that. You see? Because most people think that they are better than most people. The point is this, saints. Listen closely. We were all blinded. Even when we became a Christian and it takes some time for God to work some stuff out of your life to get you to the place that he wants you to be. So back up off of new Christians. It takes time. You know, I believe that was the case with John Newton. He had to grow in grace. A friend of John said this, that he had not spent 30 minutes with John without hearing the former captain's remorse for trading slaves. And he spent the rest of his life fighting against slavery. And at the end of his life, John Newton said to one of his friends, he said, my memory is nearly gone, but two things I remember. I am a great sinner and he is a great savior. Woo. I like that. Yeah, I'll wait. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen. Because I clap my hands at that because those are two things that every Christian should remember. Hello. He is a great savior. I'm a great sinner. I love that. Well, Paul knew about grace. Having killed men, women, and children, God granted signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But there was a division. We just read it. Part sided with the Jews, part with the apostles, and they sought to kill Paul and Barnabas. But they ran to Lystra and Derbe, and they preached the gospel there. Well, listen, hang on to your hats. Let's take a chunk of text. Look at verse 8. Saints, you're still with me? Say amen. Amen. And in Lystra, a certain man, notice this man, three things you want to point out, without strength in his feet, crippled. From his mother's wound, and he had never walked. Well, this man heard Paul speaking. Paul, observing him intently, gazed intently, and seeing that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up and straighten your feet. 
And he leaped and he walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices and they said, in the Lyconian language, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called, who saints? Zeus. And Paul they called who? Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. And then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in the front of the city, brought oxen and garland to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothes. They were lamenting, and they ran in among the multitude, crying out, saying, Men, why are you doing these things? And why? We are also men with the same nature, or some of your Bible says, with like passions as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things. Amen. The living God who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all the things that are in them, who in bygone generations allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, in verse 17, check it out. He did not leave himself without a witness in that he did good. He always does good. And he gave us rain from heaven in fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these sayings, they could scarcely restrain the multitude from sacrificing to them. Now, listen closely. Lystra didn't have any synagogues. Obviously, there weren't enough Jews. Remember, in every city that there were 10 Jews or more, they would establish a synagogue. So obviously, Lystra did not have any Jews, not enough Jews, and thus they did not have a synagogue. So when Paul and Barnabas get into the city of Lystra, they immediately establish a street ministry. And God uses Paul to heal a cripple man. And the Holy Spirit, did you know this, describes this man three different ways so we don't get it confused. Without strength, number one, in his feet. Crippled from his mother's womb, which tells us he was an adult male. And then thirdly, he had never walked. This man was sitting there listening to Paul. And Paul realized he was listening. And Paul perceived. How he perceived, we don't know. How the Holy Spirit said, we don't know, but he perceived that he had faith to be healed. And he said with a loud voice, stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped up and he walked. Now listen, saints, very closely. I need you to listen to me very closely. God, do you know? God heals people. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, and Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.